welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. It's good to see everybody here this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Romans 5, 12. And while you're turning there, I need you to also go to page 1 in your Bible, because we'll be going back and forth throughout the entire message in those two passages. So, Genesis, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. While you're turning there, just want you to know uh, I'm excited about being here. It's the first time I've been back to Kentucky in a while. Last time I was in uh, Louisville at 9th and O, and um, so I haven't been here in Kentucky. I, I don't know. I guess you folks just don't like me very much or something. <laughs> So, uh, no, I'm kidding. But, um, so, I, like Pastor was saying, I have a wife named Jennifer, my son named Jake. He's 16. And uh, like he said, we rodeo and stuff, and so that's kind of what we do. And so this is horse country, and I love it. And uh, I'm like, I'm seeing all the fences and stuff. I'm like, this is my kind of place. And I need to be in Kentucky more. And I'm very excited that Kentucky won last night. And... Uh, because you people are always a lot happier when you win. And uh, so I was fired up. I was watching. I was interested in the game last night. And I was watching it. And uh, so I was so excited uh, that y'all won. But um, I'm looking forward to this week and looking forward to what God's going to do. Uh, we're going to see a lot of people saved. Uh, and, but I want you to know this. Lost people cannot be saved unless lost people get in the building. So I want to encourage you to get them here to hear the gospel. We'll have a lot of fun, and I'm going to tell the truth, and I'm going to preach the word, and we're going to see a lot of people. I mean, we can see, like, there have been places that we've been where we see, like, entire families saved, and I'm not talking about, like, one or two. I'm talking about we've seen hundreds of people saved at one church before on a lot of occasions, So, and I've been doing this a long time, and so if you get them here, we will have people saved. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do, but i tell you what I'm going to do, uh, just to get y'all awake, because I'm not sure that y'all are totally awake right now, because it's hard to see your eyeballs, because the masks are almost up to here. Some of y'all are hiding in them. So uh, I'm, I'm going to do a little trivia you know, question for you, and if you win this trivia question, if you get it, then the pastor will take you and your family uh, out to eat on, on him, <laughs> and, and it will probably be Tuesday at lunchtime, right? <laughs> so, hey, but it's Roadhouse, right? Texas Roadhouse. I'm liking that. So you know I'm going to be here. Uh, okay, so, you know, we got baseball playoffs are, are about to start. So a little baseball trivia question for you, if you like baseball. Now, if I see you look down at any time while I'm talking, that means you're cheating and you're looking at your phone for the answer. So I don't want nobody cheating. You got you to be able to do this, Okay. So does anybody in here know who was in the World Series in 1924? Don't be looking down. I was, you, you do. My goodness, he knows. Hey, I have shared this story a lot. And I have never had anybody pop it off just like that. Sir, what's your name? 
Bill, Pastor, I think you need to take Bill out. And and I don't mean just Texas Roadhouse. I mean, that was good. The the only problem is he didn't tell the other team. So you you are right again. I'm, I'm telling you, I have never had anybody get it. That's unbelievable. So he's right. It was the New York Giants. They were playing the old Washington Senators. Now, do you know who the... He probably will. He's like baseball. He wrote the baseball almanac. I know he did. Do you know who the present day Washington, the old Washington Senators are right now? Well, they were. They were moved down now the Texas Rangers. Because what they did was, what happened was the old Washington Senators dissolved, became the new Washington Senators, they moved to Minnesota. And then they ended up moving down to Texas, Texas Stadium, to Arlington, you know, where you got the present day Texas Rangers. So technically you could say, we won a World Series. Because uh, <laughs> that's the only way we're going to win a World Series. <laughs> So, but he's right. It was the old Washington series playing New York Giants. It was an incredible series. I, I was reading this book about this illustration, about this, what happened. And, uh, and here's what the writer was talking about. He said, uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning, score was tied 2-2. Two to two, Series tied up 3 each. Fans were going nuts. I mean, here was their first chance to win the World Series. Because the old Washington Senators slogan was, uh, first in war, first in peace, last in the American League. That was the slogan of the old Washington Senators. So, so here you had it. They, they were right down. Walter, he's right, he was talking about Walter Johnson when they had been pitching too. And uh, so it was incredible series. All they had to do, you go to the top of the ninth inning, all the, they had to do was hold the Giants three up, three down, come up the bottom of the ninth, score a run, they win the World Series. Top of the ninth, they did just that. They got the Giants three up, three down. Bottom of the ninth, score tied two to two, series tied up three each. First batter up with the centers, he gets out. Second batter up with the centers, he gets out. Third batter for the centers. If you could pick anybody on your team, you want up and play. This time, it was this guy. His name was Goose Goslin. Goose steps up at the plate. Pitcher throws the first ball right down the pipe. Strike one. Next pitch, another meat pitch. Strike two. He has an 0-2 count now. Next two pitches are balls. He gets a 2-2 count. Two outs. Bottom of the night. Score tied 2-2. Two two, series tied up three each. You understand there's only one more pitch that can get you any more bottom of the night than this. I mean, this is it. Next pitch comes down the plate. Goose steps into it, hits the ball. I'm not talking a blooper. I'm talking a shot to left center. And if it was on ESPN today, the announcers say, it's back, 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 back. It's going to be another home run. About this time, everybody's on their feet. They're standing, they're cheering, they're yelling. But Goose goes round, heads around first base. Ball comes down, hits six inches from the top of the left center field fence. Ricochets back in the outfield. Center fielder, left fielder, takes the ball down now. Goose rounds second, headed third. Third base coach realizes this might be the only chance to score. So he waves Goose home as he's bringing Goose home. Center fielder takes the ball, throws a shortstop. Shortstop relays into catcher. Catcher is standing over home plate. Goose is now sliding. He has clearly beat the throw by at least two steps. As he's sliding, catcher catches it, tags him. Umpire says, you're out. And when he did, the fans went nuts. They start throwing all kinds of trash and debris on the field, cussing the umpires out, threatening to kill them, like a, a lot of your little league games around here. And uh, I know how you grandparents are. <laughs> I, I've umped those things before. So everybody in the stands, 
knew what was going to happen. Because here's what happened. The head umpire goes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have to have a conference. So they all go to the pitcher's mound for the conference. Probably because it was the safest place on the field at that time. And so everybody knows what's going to happen. All the other umpires are going to say, hey, he was safe. He said, oh, I'm sorry. There was dirt in my eye. I couldn't see. And he'll be safe. There'll be a score. They'll win the World Series. That's what everybody's thinking. Fifteen minutes goes by. Head umpire comes out. Says, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? The runner is still out. But not because the play at the plate. The runner's out because he missed first base. And just like Goose was called out that day because he missed first base, there's a lot of people in this auditorium. When you stand before a holy God on judgment day, you're going to be called out because you missed first base, spiritually. You say, Ronnie, how, how can we miss first base spiritually? A lot of people do it. There's a lot of you that are religious. You go to church, you've done a lot of stuff, but you've missed first base spiritually. You say, well, how, how can we hit first base spiritually so I won't miss first base? The Bible shows us in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, how you and I can hit first base spiritually. So whether you're in here or whether you're at home watching online, Thank you for watching. Look with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 of what the Bible says. First of all, it says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and then in this way death came to all men because all sin. You say, what, what's that mean? Death came through one man, all sin? Because what, what, I don't understand all that. All right, hold your place in Romans chapter 5. Go all the way back now to page 1 in your Bible, unless you have a bunch of family trees and stuff. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 15, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says this, The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, let me just ask everybody a question here real quick. Does everybody understand the, the playing rules in the garden that God had set up for Adam and Eve? He told Adam and Eve, hey, Adam and Eve, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but you cannot eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You eat of this tree, you will die. He didn't say you might die. He didn't say you're going to get sick. He didn't say you're going to get COVID. He says you will die. Everybody got that? Everybody understand the rules? Okay, now let's pick up the story. Let's see what happens. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Oh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now let's just stop there for a second. Let me ask you a question. Is there anybody in this place, anybody, that is never, ever physically going to die? Now take the second coming to Jesus out of the picture. Take that out of the picture. Anybody here never, ever physically going to die? You're never going to get cancer. You're never going to get COVID. You're never going to... Um, uh, have another birthday, because the, the old, more birthdays you have, the older you get, the more your body wears out. Organs wear. You'll never be in a car wreck. Now, is there anybody here that will never, ever physically die? 
We're all going to die, church? Church, are we all going to die? So what does that make Satan? A liar. Matter of fact, Jesus said that joker's the father of all lies. He's been lying from the get-go. Satan said to Adam and Eve, you're not going to die. You're... Folks, we die. Pa- pastor, do you do funerals at, at your church? Do, do you know that every time the pastor does a funeral at this church, and I'm sure there's been a lot in the last two years, that every time you do a funeral, that is proof, that is evidence, Satan is a liar. He told Eve, you will not die. We die. My best friend died, who's three months older than me. He ran marathons, is a preacher, died two months ago. My grandpa died two weeks ago. I did both of their funerals. We die. I know from experience, we die. So Satan's a liar, so you know what he's going to do to you? He's going to lie to you. He's going to say, you don't need to hit first base spiritually. You're a good person. You never killed anybody. You've done good stuff for people. You're, you're good. You're okay. Don't worry about it. He's a liar. If you die without hitting first base spiritually, I don't care who you are, you will split hell wide open. No, no, he doesn't rewrite the word for anybody. It's the same for everybody. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. In just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to invite Christ to come to your life, for you to repent of your sins, turn from your sins, and say, yes, I, wanna, I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want him to save me. I want him to change me. I want him to forgive me of all my sins. I want to hit first base spiritually. And here's what Satan's going to do to you. You don't need to be doing that. What, what are people going to say? They're going to talk about you. You don't need to be doing that. That's going to be embarrassing going up in front of everybody and doing all that. He is a liar. Don't let him lie to you and deceive you like he did Adam and Eve. I'm going to tell you something. I've seen a lot of people make this decision to give their life to Christ. I've seen a lot of people, thousands and thousands of people come forward and give their life to Christ. And I'm going to tell you this. I have never seen somebody come forward and regret making that decision. Ever. Do you know what I see when I see people come down the aisle and give their life to Christ? I see peace, purpose, meaning, relief, joy. Don't let Satan lie to you like he did Adam and Eve. So, pick up the story of what happened. So, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were, and I'm from Texas, so we say it like this, naked. So, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So, what happened? Go all the way back now to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and you'll see how this comes together. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man. Who's the one man? Adam. It says, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sin. Folks, here's what the Word of God is saying. From that one action in the garden where Adam and Eve disobeyed God, from that one action, sin entered into the world. But not only did sin enter the world, death also entered the world as a result of their sin. You're saying, Ronnie, you're sitting here telling me today because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden because they ate from the tree? That's why I've inherited sin? Yep. You say, and because I've inherited sin because of what they did in the garden, that's why I'm physically going to die one day? Yep. You say, but Ronnie, that is not fair. That's not fair. Ronnie, if that had been me that day in the garden, I wouldn't have eaten from the tree. I, Ronnie, I wouldn't have even come 
50 yards from that tree. Please. Don't tell me that. You say you wouldn't come 50 yards from the tree. You can't even come to church this morning without sinning. And you're going to tell me you're going to be in the garden all those years and never sin? Oh, no. Get off your high spiritual horse. I'm going to tell you right now. Because we got a bunch of sinners in here this morning. Don't act all spiritual and pious. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. All that is within me. No, I don't sin. I don't sin, Brother Ronnie. Oh, we got, we got some sinning going on. Especially you ladies. I guarantee 90% of you ladies, y'all sin before you got out the house. Don't look at me like that. You know you did. Did, did this or did this not take place this morning? Did you not, when you're getting ready, your husband said, honey, we, we got to go. Because you know, if, we're, if, we, if, we, if we don't go now, we're going to be late. We'll have, all the good seats in the back going to be taken up. We're going to have to sit down front by the preacher. And what would you say? Honey, I'll be ready in a minute. That's a lie. You just lied to your husband before you even got out of the house. Don't act like you don't sin. That's a sin right there. And all the men are going, that's right, preach it. Preach it. Spend half my life waiting on my wife. Amen. Amen. But men, you sin too. Don't, don't act like we don't. I, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to have to be honest. I'm in the pulpit. I got to preach the truth. I got to tell the truth, right? I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of sin I deal with on a regular basis. Just because I'm a preacher don't mean I'm better than anybody else. I sin just like everybody else. And there is one sin that I deal with on a regular basis that I'm trying to work on. I'm trying to get, you know, handle on. But I'm just going to be honest with you. It is hard for me to get in my truck and drive from my house to DFW Airport on this little highway called 114. Because it is a six-lane highway. Six-lane. Guess what the speed limit is? 55. 55. Now, for y'all, if you run off the road here in Kentucky, it could, it could hurt you. You could hit a tree, stuff like that. Not in Texas. We run off the road, ain't no big deal. We maybe clip a fence post, maybe hit a cow. That's about it. So, it's 55. And there is one part on 114, it goes from 55 to 40. 40 miles an hour on a six-lane highway with no red lights. I'm thinking, why does it go from 55 to 40 miles an hour? Police officer told me. <laughs> it was because there's this hill. Because this hill right there, we just have a little hill that people, we got, we got to slow down because other people come the other direction, the, the other way. They can't see us coming, so they got to slow us down. And I'm like, okay. So just so you know. Uh, my speeding ticket has changed things in that area now. So now there is a red light there, and the speed limit is back up to 55. I'm just here to bless your ministry. Whatever I can do to do that, that's what I'm doing. But, but, but we all sin. And, and, and don't act like we don't. Kids, you sin too. Don't, don't act like you don't sin. Don't go, yeah, preach to my parents. No, y'all sin too. Hey, your mom and dad told you to clean your room. You said, but it is clean. You got stuff growing there. The EPA don't even know what it is. Listen, your brother that's been missing for four days, don't put his picture on a milk carton. Clean your room. He's under your bed. That's where he's at. Been camped out there for four days. See, but the thing about it is we all sin. And I don't care how big a sin you think, whether you think you got a big sin, little sin, we've all sinned. And the Bible says the consequence of our sin is death. 
an eternity in hell forever. It don't have to be that way, though. I got good news for you. It goes on, it says, in Romans 5, chapter 17, where our good news comes from, it's through Christ. It says in verse 17, Romans 5, 17, for if by the trespass of the one man, now that word trespass, is it talking about getting on somebody else's land? No, it talks it means sin. For if by the trespass or the sin of the one man, we said the one man was who? Adam. It says this, <clears throat> and death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Folks, here's what the Word of God is saying. One man, Adam, brought us sin, death, and destruction. But one man, Jesus, brought us life, grace, righteousness, peace, purpose, meaning, hope, eternal life, one man brought us down, but one man, Jesus, brought us up. I, I don't know why that's so hard to understand. Why it's so hard to understand is through Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. Period. No other way. Not through a church. Not through a denomination. Not through good deeds or works. It is through Christ, through His blood. And it's always taken blood to get forgiveness of sin. Always. You don't believe me? Don't believe me it's always taking blood? All right, hold your place in Romans 5. Go all the way back now one more time to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Now let me catch up on the speed and I'm going to read one verse for you. Do you remember we're in the garden? God said, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve you can eat from any tree in the garden. You eat from this one, though, you're going to die. Satan says, you're not going to die. He says, well, it looks good. She took some, she ate it, gave some to Adam. He ate it. They realized they don't have clothes on. They went and hid in the garden. Y'all with me at this point? Okay, so then here's what happened after that. So they go hiding in the garden. God comes walking by the cool of the day. Adam, Eve, where are you? Psst, we're over here. Over where? Psst, behind these bushes. What, what are you doing behind the bushes? Duh, we don't have any clothes on. Who told you I have any clothes on? You ain't from the tree, didn't you? Come here. So he calls them out. Now, they've been making clothes back there out of fig leaves. Why fig leaves? I have no idea. Do we have any fig pickers in the house? Anybody's ever picked any figs before? Anybody? Nobody? Do y'all not have figs? We got one fig picker in the whole place. All right. So, can I ask my fig picker? Can I get a witness on this? When you pick fig figs, those fig leaves are itchy. Are they not? Why in the world would they put Clothes out of fig leaves. That makes no sense whatsoever. It just goes to show one of two things about Adam and Eve. It was either, number one, the first bush they come to, or it was, two, they had no common sense. That's the only thing I can come up with. So here they are back there making clothes out of fig leaves, and they come out and they're like, doing this. God's like, mm, mm, mm. really? Fig leaves? Really? He said, all right, Adam, because you disobeyed me and ate from the tree, I'm going to pronounce a curse on you. So from now on, men from all over the world, from every tribe, nation, language, every, every week, every, every week, they're going to have to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week to earn a paycheck to put food on the table because of what you did today here in the garden. Adam's response was, 
But God, it wasn't me. It was that woman you gave me. God said, I know. He said, all right, Eve, because you got Adam and Eve from the tree, you disobey me, I'm going to pronounce a curse on you. So from now on, women from all over the world, from every tribe, nation, language, every time they go to have a baby, they're going to have to have an epidural. Because of what you did today here in the garden, what was Eve's response? God, what, me? It was that snake. God said, I know, I know. And serpent, because you lied to them, got them to eat from this tree, from now on, just want you to know, men from all over the world, from every tribe, nation, language, every time they see your skinny, nasty little head, they're going to get a shovel, shotgun, a machete, a club, a stick, something. They're going to stomp on your head. They're going to kill you. Whether you're a good snake or a bad snake, it don't matter. You die from here on out, except you run one of them jokers on Discovery Channel. They might, they might play with you, let you go, whatever, but everybody else is going to kill you. What would the snake say? Because what me, it was in uh, dirt. <laughs> Not for real. But do you see what everybody's doing? What's everybody doing? Trying to blame somebody else for their own sin, right? Hey, church, has anything changed today? Pick up a newspaper. Judge, it's not my fault I shot and killed all those people. It's society's fault. Oh, judge, it's not my fault I drowned my kids. It's my parents' fault. Oh, judge, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's. And what's the Word of God say? It's not the government's fault. It's not your parents' fault. It is your fault. You have sinned against a holy, righteous God. So what did God have to do because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Did you catch that? If you don't hunt, that might just slip right on by. But for those of you who do hunt, you know what I'm talking about. Let me just break it down for you. For the first time in the garden, where the lion and lamb could play together, God had to take an innocent little lamb. He had to slit his throat. He had to hang him up from a tree, skin him out, and take the skin from that lamb and use it to make clothes for Adam. In the garden, it was one lamb for one man. Blood was shed because of sin. But it didn't stop there. Do you remember when the children of Israel in Egypt, and they were slavery to Pharaoh, and they cried out, God save us, God rescue us. God heard the cry, sent Moses down to get the people out of Egypt. Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let them go. So God sent plague after plague after plague after plague. Do you remember the final last plague? God said, I'm fed up with them. He said, Moses, you tell Pharaoh that I'm going to come through tonight. I'm going to kill the firstborn male throughout all of Egypt, whether it's an animal or a human being. Firstborn male dies throughout Egypt tonight. But Moses, you tell my people, if they'll take a lamb, they'll slit its throat. They'll drain the blood into a bowl. They'll take a branch, they'll dip it in that blood, they'll go to the front of their house. And over the front of their house, over the door, they'll wipe the blood on the side of the door, over the top of the door, and over the other side of the door. Then when I come through tonight and I get to their house and I see the what, church? The blood. I will pass over and spare their whole family. That's where we get Passover from. But it didn't stop there. God delivered them. 
out of Egypt. They got out in the wilderness. God said, we're going to set up a portable church, but we're going to call it a tabernacle. There's going to be an outer court. That's where the altar is. That's where sacrifice is going to be made. There's going to be an inner court, a place of worship. But Moses, there's going to be a place back here called the Holy of Holies that nobody could come back here. I, this is where I'm going to show up. This is where I'm going to manifest my presence. This is where the Ark of the Covenant is. Moses, the only person that could come back into my presence is your brother Aaron, the high priest. He can only come one day a year on the Day of Atonement. And when he comes back into my presence, he has to have with him blood from a lamb. And I want him to sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat, for the forgiveness of sin for the entire nation of Israel. Folks, do you see the progression? In the garden, it was one lamb for one man. In Egypt, one lamb spared a family. In the wilderness, one lamb got forgiveness of sin for the entire nation of Israel. But if it stopped there, you and I still would be without hope for two reasons. Number one, the majority of us in here, we're not Israelites. And if you were an Israelite, the only other thing is, I don't see any animals sitting out, no stock trailers sitting out there in the parking lot. I don't see any stock trailers load up with calves, bulls, goats, nothing like that. So how are you going to get forgiveness of sin? So let me take you back to Genesis. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we've been broken. Our relationship with God has been broken. We've been separated from Him. So God's whole plan was to bring us back to a right relationship with Him. So you know what He did? He sent prophet after prophet saying the Messiah was coming, the Savior of the world. is going to take away our sins. And finally, in, in, in Isaiah, He said He was going to be bruised for our transgressions. By His stripes we will be healed. So find the last Old Testament prophet is preaching, John the Baptist. As John the Baptist is preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he's saying this, he looks up in John chapter 1, verse 29, he sees Jesus coming. You know his exact words were in John 1, 29, folks? He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the entire world. The world, folks, Jesus is the final blood sacrifice, once and for all, for all mankind. Church, we just sing about this morning. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. It's always taking blood to get forgiveness of sin. And if your sins have never been covered by the blood of Jesus, I don't care who you are. I don't care what position you have in this church. I don't care if you're in the choir, you're a deacon, you're a Sunday school teacher. If your sins have never been covered by the blood of Jesus, you've missed first base spiritually. I don't care who you are. And I want you to know something. You can change that today. You can hit first base spiritually today. You say, how? I'm going to give you an opportunity. Right where you're seated. To repent and turn from your sins. Invite Jesus into your life to be your boss, your Lord, your Savior. If you've never done that before. He'll give you peace and purpose and meaning. You say, well, okay, if I do that, what's that mean? Here's the good news. Romans chapter 5, last scripture, and we're done. Romans 5, 21 says this. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you know what that means? That means we can have eternal life. That means that no preacher will have to lie at your funeral or skirt around the issue where you are spending eternity. When my grandpa died, I can't tell you how many times I heard after he died, oh, he's in a better place now. He's in a better place now. You know what? 
according to what they know about my grandpa? No, he would not be in a better place right now. My grandpa would be in hell. All the ones that knew him from when he was younger, middle age, all that. No, my grandpa would be in hell. But you know what? They are right. My grandpa is in a better place. You know why? Because when my grandpa was in his 70s, after church, standing in the parking lot, my grandpa finally let me lead him to Christ. He finally let me tell him about Jesus. He would come to hear me preach. He would say, no, not right now, bub, not right now, and say no over and over ever since my granny died when I was a freshman in, high, freshman in college. And it wasn't until we were standing outside in a church parking lot after it was over with, my grandpa, I took him through a Billy Graham's Test Piece with God track, and my grandpa at the end of it took the track out of my hand and read and invited Christ to come to his life right there in that parking lot. That is why my grandpa is in a better place right now. Because he repented of his sins and invited Jesus to come into his life to be his boss, Lord, and Savior. You can know that same assurance. How? Because he says you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because he died on the cross to pay for your sins. Because showing up in church today, that don't cover one sin. Throwing money in the plate doesn't cover one sin. It's when he hung on that cross for your sins, to pay for your sins, to make you right with God. And the only way you can be made right with God is if you repent and turn from your sins and commit your life to him. There was a 17-year-old girl that was uh, raped by an 18-year-old guy. And as a result of the rape, the 17-year-old girl became pregnant. Now, according to a lot of people today, a lot of people in Washington, this 17-year-old girl should have an abortion. Matter of fact, I can't tell you how many people in churches that I've heard say, no, if it's rape, you can have an abortion. That's not what the Word of God says. So this 17-year-old girl decided not to have an abortion. She decided to have the baby. Nine months later, she had a six-and-a-half-pound baby boy. And that baby boy is me. And I want you to know, I'm not here today by accident. I'm here for a reason and a purpose. Some people would say, I need to be in a trash can, but God said, no, I got a plan and purpose for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. My, my life verse now is Genesis 50, verse 20, which says, what you intend to harm for me, God intended for the good, for the saving of many souls. Listen, I'm no more special than anybody else in here. Just like God had a plan and purpose for me, he has a plan and purpose for you. And you're not here by accident. And I'm not talking about in this church building by accident. I'm talking about you're not here on this planet by accident. You are here because God desires a relationship with you. And you don't have that relationship, so that's why you don't have any peace and purpose and meaning. You can have it today, right here, right now. You say how? In just a second, right where you're seated, or whether you're watching at home online, I'm going to pray this prayer. It's not a magical prayer. We're not blessing the food. I'm talking about you're just doing what the Bible says. You're repenting of your sins and believing in Jesus. You say, how do I do that? By praying something like this. God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I messed up. And I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And God, I turn from my sins, and I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, and my Savior. If you've never done that before, you never called on the name of the Lord like the Bible says in Romans 10, 13. It says, whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you'd like to do that, this is your decision that you've made. Not, not your mom and dad when you were a kid. Not, not somebody, everybody else going forward and that you're going for because they did. I'm talking about you owning it. 
and you saying, yes, I want to hit first base spiritually. I want to invite Christ to come to my life. If you've never done that, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. So can you do me a favor? Can you give me two minutes? Nobody get up. Nobody leave. Not encouragers, not counselors, not staff, not choir, not nobody. Give me two minutes. If you've never prayed that prayer with me before and you want to pray that prayer, then right where you're seated, you pray with me and invite Christ to come to your life. Can you do me a favor? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes, please? With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you say, Ronnie, I've never done that before. I would like to pray and invite Christ to come to my life. I would like to hit first base spiritually. Then you pray that prayer with me right now. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I've messed up. And I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I turn from my sins. And I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, my best friend. Thank you for down the cross for me. And thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one's looking around, I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you or anything like that. I just, I just want to pray for you. If you're here this morning, say, Ronnie, for the first time in my life, I prayed that prayer where I understood what I was doing. I meant business. I just prayed that prayer. If you just pray that prayer with me, like I said, I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you or call you up. I just want to pray for you. If you just pray that prayer with me, would just those of you that prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me right now and let me catch your eyes? Okay, yes, ma'am. Anybody in this section right here? You say, right, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. Got you, buddy. I just invited Jesus to come to my life. Anybody else in this section over here? Over here on this side? You say, right, that's me. I just prayed that prayer and I invited Jesus to come to my life. Yes, ma'am, right there. Yes, sir. Anybody else right here? Say, Ronnie, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. Anybody else? Did I miss anybody? Ronnie, that's me. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Would just those of you that prayed that prayer just keep looking up just for a second? Everybody else's heads bowed and eyes closed. Just those that prayed that prayer. I just want you to know, according to what the Bible says, God has forgiven you of everything you have ever done. It's, it's under the blood of Jesus. So nobody can bring it up, throw it in your face. You're forgiven. You're clean. You're a child of God. When you die, you're going to spend eternity in heaven now. That's good news. You say, okay, so what does that mean now? Well, now, as a child of God, you're supposed to let other people know about it. You say, what do you mean? Jesus, who died on the cross for you, in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus said this. The same one that died on the cross for you said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. He says, if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father who's in heaven. What that means is it's imperative we take a stand for him. We're not to be ashamed of him. You know, you say, well, then what am I supposed to do? Here's what's going to happen. In just a second, we're going to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. When we stand, I'm going to pray. As soon as I pray, when I finish and I say amen, they're going to start singing. And if you can, start singing on that and not the chorus. Just, I mean, go ahead and start singing on that. Mm -hmm. So when we stand, I pray, I say amen, they're going to sing. I'm going to be standing right down here. Pastor is going to be, Pastor, would you go ahead and come on? Pastor Daniel is going to be standing right over here. And we have our other pastors going to be standing right here. All of you that pray that prayer, you come to Brother Daniel, you come to me, you come to uh, our other pastor, you say, what are we going to do? We got people called encouragers. Encouragers, would you look up at me real quick? All of our encouragers. 
encouragers, when we stand, I pray, I say amen, he sings. All of you that are encouragers, you come forward and stand right here on this front row, here and here, looking at the pastors. We're going to introduce you to somebody. You just take them out the side door. Pastor, we're going to go out this side door over here. We're just going to take those that prayed that prayer and invited Christ to come there. We're going to take them out the side door. We're going to pray with them, give them some material. If they don't have a Bible, we're going to give them a Bible. But we just want to celebrate with you and your decision that you've made. We're excited for you, and, and we want to celebrate. Because here's the deal. We're supposed to take a stand for him. We're supposed to identify with him, let other people know. If you won't do it in here, you're not going to do it out there. It starts right here, right now, today. So when we stand, I pray, I say amen. You come to me, one of the other pastors, and we just want to encourage you. And We have encouragers that are going to take you out the side, pray with you, and give you some material. If you say, well, man, I don't want to come by myself, ask a, a family member, ask a spouse, ask a loved one, ask a friend that invited you. They'd be glad to do that. Ask your mom or dad, say, would you go with me? They'd be glad to do that. So when we stand, I pray, I say amen. You step out and come. Can we all please stand now with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed, eyes closed. As soon as I say amen, all of you that prayed that prayer, that you invited Christ to come to your life, you step out and come. We'll be waiting right down here for you. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to just uh, move in this place. Thank you for saving lives and changing lives. Just give them the courage and boldness to take a stand for you right now. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As he sings, you come on right now. We're waiting down here for you right now. Counselors, come help us, please. Encouragers, come on forward. I have decided.